The Michael Hatfield Remax team presents Real Estate and More. Bay Area real estate is different than in all of America. And why? What's up with home buyers? What's on sellers' minds? How is the market? And much, much more. Now, here's your host, Michael Hatfield. Well, good morning and welcome to Real Estate and More Show. I'm your host, Michael Hatfield. Today, we talk about one man's real success. In studio, I have John Moreland, who will share his quest and the discovery of answers to real success in his life. John serves as the lead pastor at Rolling Hills Community Church in Danville, California. He's lived in many places and strives in current day to give back to his community. He's been a pastor for the last 30 years. Welcome to the show, Pastor John. Well, that's a huge privilege I get to be with you, Michael. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure having you having you here. If not in the Bay Area, where did you grow up, Pastor John? Well, I've been in a couple different places. I lived in Wisconsin. I've lived in Colorado in the uh, in the Front Range. Uh, I my growing up years, my formative years were in Kansas City. Go Chiefs! Um, but most of my adult life, at least the first half of my adult life, I lived in Illinois and uh, predominantly in the Southwest suburbs of Chicago. Oh, I love the Midwest. It's mm-hmm. just such a, a wonderful place. Some of the best flying I ever did was out of Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky Airport for uh, for the airline. And uh, the people back there were just, you know, so nice. And home values were quite a bit different. Yes. When in Chicago, you were in Chicago for a while. Um, did you find the housing situation more affordable there or about the same? Yeah, no, I, it was It's definitely if you had a, an honest job, you worked hard. Uh, you could get into a, a, a modest home, but a home that you'd love and you could call your own. Uh, a little bit easier to get into a house there than it has been, for, for at least for us here. Mm-hmm. I had um, Pat Vitucci, the uh, Don't Invest and Forget guy on the show, and we were doing a show on places to retire and he put together the criteria that most people think about when they go to buy a home or when they go to retire if you were to buy a home would you want it to deal with the snow would you want to have uh, medical facilities uh, at your disposal what about the sense of neighborhood or more importantly the sense of community so i'm thinking that something about the sense of community may have drawn you from uh, snow on the ground to beautiful California. What say you? Well, for me, I'm a pastor, so there was some calling, uh, of course, that was involved, but it is a beautiful place. I brought my wife on our honeymoon here. I mean, to San Francisco, went to Monterey, and so I already had it kind of in my heart and in my life, uh, and the weather is just so wonderful. And it's a this place is a melting pot. You get to meet all kinds, and it it's transformative in that way. Uh, we miss the Midwest. You know, the community that we found there, uh, I didn't mind, you know, throwing snow, uh, but I, I also don't like, I don't mind not having to throw snow where we're at here right now, so. Kind of interesting, talking about throwing snow, and I I guess I'm breaking the ice, but my little brother, I call him my little brother, he's a United captain, and he had moved from here back to Virginia. And so I call him on the phone and he picks up and all of a sudden, you know, all of this noise is going. I said, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm, I'm using my new snowblower. I've got to do it. <laughs> and the next thing I know is there's this big noise. 
he drops his phone and the phone apparently went in the snow and you know the next thing i know it's a few minutes are you there are you there and then finally he picks it up and i said what happened he said the snow plow just almost plowed me over so I, I think of things yeah. like that when i think of the east coast and places where you have the yeah. type of snow so tell us some favorite things uh, about your favorite location where you've lived and i'm hoping you will say the bay area for you and your family and tell us why too wow i i love i so back about chicago growing up in kansas city you when you walked in the store you could look in people's eyes and they looked in yours and you could have real conversations. I, I do love that. I miss that. But I bring that with me. We lived in Colorado, lived on the front range. So our house sat exactly at 7,500 feet uh, in elevation. And we sat at the, the foot of a couple of 14ers. And so we lived in a beautiful place. You didn't go to the park to hike. You just walked outside. And so it was beautiful in Colorado. This has been an amazing place to live. I mean, to have the ocean so close to be in uh, such a close shot with Yosemite and Tahoe. Uh, and it's a beautiful place too. We can just walk outside our house and we're walking up on the on the hills and you get to see so much. So I, I enjoy this place as well. And like I said, the, the melting pot that this place is, you meet incredible people, just like yourself. Yeah. Well, I don't know about me so much, but the San Ramon Valley is a great place to live and home prices are challenging. Uh, the one thing that comes to mind is that the Bay Area has something pretty much unique in that home values, you buy at one value and you wait, enjoy your home, and then you wake up three, four, five, seven years later, you look at the value and instead of what you paid, it's what you paid plus a pretty good percentage. And we could go into those all day long, but mm. we're not gonna do that today. Don't worry, I don't wanna to, to put your mind into that. But that's the great thing about the home appreciation in the San Francisco Bay Area. Why? It's driven largely by tech and tech will always wanna be here, it seems like, mm. because they have for, for years and years. So. That's, that's all I can say. And the climate's good, the schools, the home and the community that you participate in. Um, number one goal is to measure your life's success from achievement of those goals plus from something else. And I have a feeling that you're all loaded up to tell us a little bit about something else. So uh, what say you, um, what do you, what do you have to say about the American dream of owning your own house, working, paying for it, and working for what you, you got? Is that is that not right or is there a better way? Well, I I'm I've been a pastor for thirty one years, and so I've been in that. I I got to see my parents, my mom and my dad. Um, my dad was a successful businessman. He owned the biggest house in town. He built it, and he built it off of his two businesses. He had a kind of a neat little double dip. He owned an insurance agency and a body shop. So when he insured the guy's car, if it got wrecked, he, uh, he fixed the car for him, and the insurance money came in. So he had a neat little double dip and really did well for himself. But um, um, my mom and my dad, they, they had a kind of an interesting story. They, they had the, the, just an amazing, successful story, young, right, in the early 30s, and just succeeding at both those businesses. But I wouldn't say that they were happy yet. And um, they had, the, the house was an amazing thing. They no nothing to, you know, to be upset about, but it wasn't the thing. It wasn't the, the capstone of their life. And they had an experience that kind of accentuated that or that, that pressed upon it. My, my dad was an atheist. 
And for, you know, atheists come in, in all different kind of uh, forms, but what his was, um, it meant that he couldn't provide meaning to things that were hard. He, had, he could just, and everything else in his life, he could just hustle, work hard, you know, meet people, do his things and sell. Uh, but there were some things that life brings that just doesn't allow that. And so my mom uh, had tried to have a, a number of children. They had a, a couple of still, uh, two stillbirths, mm. a number of miscarriages. And so um, this meant there was nothing. He couldn't just hustle how to bring comfort to my mom or just make meaning out of it. And then they added the fact, because they were both, they neither of them believed in the Lord or believed in God. They they didn't have a community around them too, so it provided some some real difficult moments for them, because um, uh, the house going back to the house didn't solve it, and so uh, their story kind of showed me there's something more. Ultimately, ultimately, um, God spoke into their life in incredible, miraculous ways, and uh, it, it wasn't just that the businesses were a problem. The house wasn't a problem. There was nothing wrong with it. It's that they didn't have the one thing in the, the shape of our heart, in the shape of our soul, only God can fill. And when God filled that in their life, it just changed everything. Before they got to that point, though, there was another want, so to speak, something desirable that was stronger than automobile success through body shops and having the big home, but there was something else they wanted. And what was that? So they, because they couldn't have children, um, their doctor, my mom's doctor said, listen, for your own sake, physically, emotionally, you might want to consider adoption. And so even though they were sad and they were broken, they, they said, yeah, let's do that. And so not long after that, maybe a year or two after that, um, that same doctor had another patient in the town over from where my parents lived. And uh, he, it was an 18-year-old girl, single, uh, had gotten pregnant. Oh, and yeah, tough situation. But the family recognized, listen, maybe we probably need to give this baby up for adoption. So the doctor calls my parents. And they said, we have an 18-year-old girl here who's willing to give their baby up. Would you, be, would you consider adoption? And they said, yes, yes, of course. And just something sparked in them. So, you know, months pass as the, uh, the pregnancy continues on. She has the baby. And there's like this window of time. Even at the time, there's like a you know, 72-hour window where um, they can decide. They give that window on purpose. So the you, mom, you, can, the decide. mom can decide, yeah. right? Like they've said what they've said, but they get the baby in their hands and they, it just changes something. So a day before they're supposed to give the baby away, the family calls the attorney who's this arrangement. And they said they're reconsidering it. They think they may keep the baby. Now, my dad, the reason why I told you before that he was an atheist uh, is because it comes to bear. So he's in his office. He gets this phone call from the attorney. Listen, they, they probably are going to keep the baby. And it... Devastating. It rattled Devastating. him. And it, mostly because he would not know how to talk to my mom about it. He just knew how deep the sadness had gone. He's like, he's like he doesn't know what to do. He can't hustle the situation. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's an honest, hardworking guy, but he just couldn't hustle enough to solve that problem. And so my dad, who is an atheist, he, he's in his office, just like we're sitting here. He slides out of his chair onto his knees on the floor of his office, and he says, God, I do not believe in you, man. This is exactly what he says. I don't believe in you, man, but you have got to give me this baby. I don't believe in you, but if you are real, give us this baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he told you this story. Yeah, this is the story. Yeah, here, after oh. the fact, give us this baby, and this was his, the, the bargain of an atheist. I'll take this kid to church every Sunday. 
This was how he, you know, and yeah. I don't even know he closed an amen, right? Yeah. This is the prayer he prays. And so he gets back in his chair. I don't know that he believed much of anything that just has happened. But he doesn't tell my mom the call he had gotten. The next day, the attorney calls back again and says, listen, things have, have opened up. They realize it's still the best to give the baby up for adoption. And so they bring the next day the baby put the baby in in the arms of the parents and uh they're all happy but again my dad doesn't tell them my mom any of these things have happened that was on a, I w- that was me that i was, was the you. baby you were the baby i was the baby you were the little bundle of joy yeah <laughs> oh my we'll see whether it was the bundle of joy but i was the baby <laughs> at least so they uh I, I was born on a monday they you know and they i think i got in my parents hands on a friday two days later my dad wakes up early and he shakes my mom and he's like, hey, get, get up, get ready, get the baby ready. We're going to church. They didn't go to church. They were <laughs> an atheist and an agnostic. And she's like, what? Yeah. yeah, we're going to church. You lost your mind. Yeah. What are we doing? Because, again, he didn't tell her about the call or the deal. And for four straight years, they bring me to church Every single Sunday, an atheist and an agnostic who didn't buy any of it for four straight years. And they didn't pick up on it. I mean, it took four years just sitting there on a church. Uh, and one day, God got a hold of my dad's life. And I, you know, my dad's the least hokey person you've ever met. <clears throat> so what I share here is that there's nothing strange or weird other than the fact he had a, a true sense that something about light and darkness heaven and hell god and the devil whatever he would call it it was we're in battle over him and 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 it shook him up so much he called this the church that he was in that he did not believe anything they were saying he called this pastor up at 2 30 in the morning he says you better get over here man something's up and that day both my dad and my mom chose to follow jesus and it changed everything for them and not long after that they, uh, after God got a hold of his life, it just changed me. The next day after he made this decision, kept, he kept looking in the mirror. He's like, I have to look different because I feel so completely different. Just a couple of years later, he sensed God had something on his life. He sold both of his businesses, sold his house, sold everything he had, and he went off to begin to go to school to go into ministry. And so I got to see in my parents what genuine faith God getting a hold of a real, uh, real people who success had a different definition just a couple of years before, but happiness was this new, you know, the joy of God in their life and calling on their life was this brand new sense of success. And so I got to see that from a, a child's standpoint. That is one heck of a story. That's one heck of a story. And just, just to admit, nobody's saying that anybody has to um, go anywhere with their own personal religion. This is one man's story mm-hmm. and how he solves some real things in his life you know uh, yeah we go out we work we we go to the office we the wife works too and we raise our children and we put them in school and we try to raise them the best we can and we have the house on the hill or wherever it is but it really there's something else and that something else has to come from somewhere else and that's what we're saying i think that's what that was what we're saying. I think mm-hmm. this gentleman's story is uh, one that's very strong, very powerful, and very meaningful. I know it wasn't easy to get all of that out, but we're we're certainly glad that it has come out. And those that are are believers, um, you know, I certainly recommend to take a look at Rolling Hills Church in Danville. This is where Pastor John preaches every every Sunday. And you know what I like about it? The church is 
in our community, not just not just ours they do something more than just provide the ability for a person to find the faith they actually go out and they they help raise our children they they help us in times of need they're there as as necessary and and, and like i remember 9-11 that church those doors were left open and the whole mentality of the community had changed. At first, it was just, after 9-11, it was just pure shock, and everyone was numb, and they would focus on the television, and the television, and the television, and then all of a sudden, it was like all at one time, a giant power raised its hand and said, community, you know, let's get together, work together, do great things with one another, and those doors were open and people mm-hmm. could, could come in there any time of the day and see someone to to help. And the church does a lot in the way of community. And I have to say that that's just an absolutely wonderful thing. What other th- for the community does uh, Rolling Hills Church provide, John? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just to speak to what you said, I mean, uh, not only do we need to find meaning and we there's a the the longing of our heart all of our hearts to find meaning but we also need relationships right I, i love the fred rogers quote where he says find the helpers you can always find the helpers and that quote really has always stuck with me in church isn't just like uh what i gain like just me coming in and receiving everything and so that it's there's a a part of me finding meaning is not only me hearing and me processing, but also me giving away. And that's that, That's what church is. It's been the specialty for a couple thousand years. We, we got the teaching from Jesus uh, to be selfless and to love people. That's that's a fulfilling part of our life. And so it's a, a number of the things that uh, Rolling Hills is just in the beginnings of, but just trying to do our best. I mean, we, we serve in senior homes and our, right around our corner, we have a couple of senior homes. And just today, a couple different teams that were in there, uh, serving them, loving them, forming the relationships. You got families who are served, our, the, the kids of families that are served with our Arwana ministry that happens on Tuesdays and uh, our kids ministries every single day of the week, but especially on Sunday. We got teenagers who are served by our student ministries. We've got, uh, we, we strive to serve the under-resourced. We have a number even of homeless here in Danville. Uh, you maybe wouldn't expect it, but literally who live here in, in the community and we get a chance to serve and, and love on them. We, uh, we serve specifically some special needs students and families. In fact, this last weekend, we had this really great event at San Ramon Valley High School that we hosted. It was, it was the, the event was a basketball event. It's called Hoop Fest. But all the, the, the funds that were raised from all the events went to serve uh, a number of different special needs organizations here in our community, along with one student. He's a freshman at San Ramon Valley who is going through a bout of very intense cancer. Oh, no. And so thousands of dollars got raised to pour into the, into those families and uh, uh, it, it was just an incredible event, but it's also indicative of the relationship we're trying to forge there. Mm-hmm. We got amazing. Uh, uh, we got an amazing worship band uh, led by a really, really gifted individual. Uh, actually, I think he was on your program yes, once before, was. right? He was. Uh, Steve Knight, and um, uh, they, they'll put on concerts. You get to hear great music. Mostly, as a church in the day-to-day life, it is we, we find the people who are probably walking in the door are doing well in their life because they work hard and they have from a standpoint of material world they're doing okay but they they're searching for something more than that meaning and relationship and i think in the day-to-day part of our church it's to 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 come alongside them 
and share the goodness of God, the love of God, and the community that gets to surround them. We, I, I get the great privilege, man. I got a great job. I get to work with people every day. Yeah. And so I live in a beautiful place. And I know that's your that's the uh, the nature of this. We live in a beautiful place, but mostly it's beautiful because the people. There's incredible people here. People that need something more than just having a house to go home to, a job to go to every mm-hmm. day. You know, it's important to have meaning in your life. You know, you provide that to the congregation, mm-hmm. and that's that's really a wonderful thing. Since a community is just everything. And by the way, uh, Nancy out at that hoop fest and she uh, she's attested that it was really great watching the special needs perform uh, with their um, their basketball and and going on with it and these are, are the kind of things that just are so part of the community mm-hmm. and you, you're doing a, a great job with that John everyone appreciates that 9-11 was a very unique time I, I keep going back to that because to me I was in an area close to the frontal range. I was in Colorado Springs when it actually occurred. My co-pilot had showed up for the trip on the 10th of September and he looked like he was bothered about something. I said, you know, what's wrong, Andrew? And he said, well, my wife just told me she's pregnant. I just got a deployment notice as an F-16 reservist pilot to Afghanistan and I got a layoff notice from Delta Airlines. So I, I've got a little bit on my mind, and I said, yeah, you'll be yeah. all right. So we go on the trip in 9-11. We're in Colorado Springs. Wake up in the morning. The first airplane hits the tower. The second airplane hits the tower. And then we try to report to work, and obviously we're not going to because all of the airplanes have been ordered out of the sky to the first available airport, suitable airport. And then we all congregated in one big room at the hotel, we went back to the hotel, reclaimed our rooms so that we had one because there was a lot of airplanes converging on that very airport. And we're in this one room and there were crews from American Airlines, United Airlines, ABC Airlines, Delta Airlines. We're all in there together and the mood was somber. We were there for five days And that was like a place where we could go. They actually had people that were guards with uh, firearms uh, guarding the room to keep everything safe. But out of it, suddenly pride and something else developed, a sense of community, a sense of working together and the whole mentality of the group as a whole changed. And we became a community of people that are experiencing the same thing all together, but we as one and we are on the right side of this. We didn't make this happen, but we have a sense of pride to get this airline back together as soon as we can, or that airline or whatever, and to be strong in in our beliefs. And that's the time that uh, sense of community became so paramount uh, for something to watch. So you've had kind of a wild ride, man. You started out in, I guess, Chicago, and you were in uh, Kansas City and the Frontal Range. Colorado Springs is just, by the way, a beautiful place as well as all of it there. And now you're here. And is this a community that you think that you would like to uh, settle down? Can I sell you a house, John? <laughs> if yeah, you can buy me a house. So let's do it that way instead. No, it's it, it's an incredible place. Whenever God calls us to a church into a place, I have to assume that that God's got us here our whole life, and He's going to bury me here, mm-hmm. and um, and because He plants us in people, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we need people. And so I, I got a really rich privilege and um, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. I get to meet fine folks like you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, you probably like everyone else. They say, we just put up with you. We like Nancy a lot better. <laughs> it's interesting to see how things develop uh, in this world. And, you know, when I retired from the airline, I wasn't really much of a believer at all. One of my goals was to look into it deeper. I was like, I wouldn't say I was ever an atheist. I, I never was. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to look into it deeper and develop, you know, what I felt inside and have a clear direction with confidence. And once you have that belief, and it's a strong belief, I think a person walks with greater confidence mm-hmm. and feels better about themselves. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I think God will use moments that are heavy you know he'll he'll rattle our cage or life will rattle our cage right especially on that scale the 9-11 story you're describing i mean that that just shook it shook the world not just america um and of course there are the other things that happen in this life with our health and with finances and things and uh there'll be those moments i don't think god's trying to to hurt us i think life rattles the cage sometimes and we're we it causes us to look up and that's humility. That's one of the greatest things he's trying to develop in all of us is just humility. So uh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Recently, you know, we were aware of this uh, travesty that happened in, in Lahaina mm-hmm. and how there's so much not being reported now. You don't even hardly hear about it, but it is much worse on the island of Maui than one can actually believe. We've actually been promoting donations to Convoy of Hope uh, org forward slash Maui I think it is Convoy of Hope dot org forward slash Maui and also to Samaritan's Purse for these poor needy people out there this is something that you don't have to be you know a church to do just feel good about other other people what is your final thinking as far as the the community. What does the community need more than anything at this point in time? Well, I'm a pastor, so you can expect probably what you might hear from me. I not just go to church. It's what church is about, right? It's we live in this very, very fast world. It's distracting. It's it you know, it feels digitally connected, but it's more of a frenzy. And more and more, you, how many conversations I'm having, and it's even more accented here, how lonely people feel. And uh, we need one another. And church has been doing this for thousands of years. And we, like I said, we learn from the God of the world on how to love people. And so uh, my encouragement is to find connection. We need one. At some point, we got to be with people. That's what God's made us for. He wired us that way. We feel that way. And um, so I just always encourage people, go find the community that God's trying to plant you in. Go make a difference. Go be one of the helpers. So, you know, for sure, if you are in the Danville area, in the San Ramon Valley, we would love to have you come by Rolling Hills Church. But find a great church and go be a helper. So great of a story, John. I would like to thank Pastor John Moreland of Rolling Hills Church in Danville for sharing his personal life story with us. This has been um, one of the most candid interviews that I've ever done. I find it of interest that no matter if one is going to a locale to live or work or whether or not to retire, as was for me during 9-11, a sense of community is an important factor.
Gatherings of people, church congregations, an organization of some kind all contribute to a sense of community. I believe we must have it as humans wherever we may choose to live. Interesting people, topics of the day, and of course, real estate. It's time for a short break. You've been listening to Real Estate and More. I'm your host, Michael Hatfield. We'll be right back with our next special guest. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.